What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 77 of the Lombard Trucking Show. Thank you once again for joining me. I uh, want to give a big shout out to uh, our friends of the show, Reed and Justin and everyone there over at the Freight Waves event going on in Cleveland right now. Um, I'm going to try to go live with some of them sometime by the end of the week. We'll see. I know that they're busy and they've got a whole uh, schedule of events going on out there. Uh, but as you can see, if you're watching, not listening, I have with me a very special guest today, uh, a fellow uh, fellow brother of ours there on Freight Twitter. Um, he's got a really, uh, really interesting trucking story, and I, I wanted to have him on the show. And so we had talked a little bit but beforehand. And so without any further delay, the, the, the master car hauler himself, Jeff Wynn, welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate it. Happy yeah. to be here. No, glad, glad to have you here. Glad to see you're able to be in enjoying some time at home. So um, what's what's your story, man? Where, where are you from? How'd you get into trucking? Well, um, if we're going all the way back, I was all the way I was raised. I was raised on a cattle ranch in North Texas for the first 20 years of life. And um, so I didn't have much to do with trucking or anything. And then I was on the back of a horse pretty much every day. And um, after that, went to school, uh, ended up getting a degree in architecture and um, did construction, design, build, that type sort of thing for almost 30 years until the point that it got so um, convoluted and full of south of the border individuals that just drove prices to the point where you could make a dollar if you wanted to. And um, so I had a buddy that um was i had done some <clears throat> build work for them and and he's in the car hauling business and he said you know you need to you need to haul cars and I'm, you know i've never had a problem driving uh but that just seemed so far-fetched and removed from anything i had ever thought about doing and um but he talked me into it and i went out and dropped oh i don't know i think it was I ended up with a one-ton dually and a three-car trailer is basically what I started with. And um, um, and within the first two months of that endeavor, I realized there's there's no money to be made here as far as that particular setup goes. Because the problem, the problem you have with, with those type of setups is that if you can't keep it loaded both ways all the time, there's not enough money on the table for you to, 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 to even, even getting eight or nine or 10 miles a gallon, you just can't do it. You, there's just not enough revenue there. And, um, so I found a guy up in Michigan that had a, um, a four car trailer, a Sun Country four car trailer with a, um, a, a Freightliner business class with a Mercedes. And it was, it was singled out. And, and the unfortunate thing was, um, it was one of these, um, uh, kind of like Panther, you know, they, the, they do the like hot shot kind of on, on, on straight trucks kind of business. And so it had a great sleeper and it was a really big sleeper, which was kind of cool. But, uh, that was about the only thing cool about it. It had, it had no Jake break. Um, and, uh, I caught. I, I just about burned the entire trailer up coming down the side of a mountain in Pennsylvania one day with about with three one ton pickup trucks on that trailer. And um, and I swore right then I was like, never again will I do. I mean, 
there's been a lot of exciting times in life, but that one was one of the more scary moments. And I thought, you know, I don't, I don't want to participate in this again. And so, uh, um, it kind of had the same problem as the three car did. I mean, you just couldn't keep enough freight on it all the time. And, uh, because, you know, you get, the problem is you can find a lot of singles out there. People want to move one or two or three units, whatever. Um, and of course you can't participate in the full load business because you can't take a full load, a full load being seven, eight or nine units. And, um, and so what I, ended up doing was deciding that. So I started that, that the, the three car deal started in February of 2012. Uh, in June of 2012, I immediately went into the four car with that little Freightliner business class. And then uh, after about four months in that, I found a W9 with a uh, seven car trailer and I picked it up for 35,000, including the trailer. And it was a it was a twenty uh, two thousand and one both of them were, and of course it had the Cat C fifteen in it. You know, I mean it was it was a solid truck, but uh, but it was also a, it was singled out as well. But it had a drop axle on it, so that made it a little more tolerable. You know, if you get closer to the weight limit. So, and I ran that truck until uh, November October of twenty seventeen. And um, at the time, I had decided that I wanted to get into a Stinger, a nine car. And I finally found one and bought it up in, um, up in Denver. And um, the crazy thing was, I mean, you know, we all have these crazy trucking stories, right? But, you know, the car haulers, they all have, oh, I say all of them, but most of them have an overhead rack, right? And um, so I was... I was coming back from Phoenix. I had picked up seven units in Phoenix or eight units because I had one overhead and I had seven on the trailer. And I had stopped the night before in Fort Stockton, got up the next morning at four o'clock to head on to Houston. That's where I was headed. And uh, I had gotten about 13 miles outside of Fort Stockton. And I, and I, and on the left front side, I kept, I started feeling this, just this kind of vibration shaking. And the next damn thing I knew, I was looking off and my wheel hub and everything was rolling out across I-10. And I came down right on the bottom of that overhead rack and managed to get the damn thing off the, off the interstate onto the shoulder. And, um, and, and to this day, we never did find that wheel and hub. Never did find it. And... Um, and so that, and, and the crazy part about that, Mike, was that was my, that was to be my last, it was going to be my last trip in that truck and trailer. And I ended up dropping 3,500 just to get the, get the hub and wheel and knuckle and everything put back on that truck, just so I could finish that trip out. So what a way to go in that. But, uh, um, but you know that, and, and, and then in 2017 or yeah, November, 2017, I got into the nine car and, uh, and really never looked back. I hauled a lot of stuff out of California, a lot of back when the Teslas were being brought out of there, bringing them back east and uh, out of Fremont and uh, Fremont Burbank in that area. And then we were bringing them into Texas. And I did that for a long time. And, and, um, and then I had this guy that I had hauled for, I was as a subcontractor, I had hauled for another company but I'd hauled it to this one individual in Colorado Springs. And one day 
2019, he called me and he said, hey, I've got a load in Dallas. Can you bring it, bring it up to me? And so I did. And we picked it up and took it up. And, um, um, and these guys were buying weekly here in Dallas in the Metroplex area and then taking them to Colorado Springs. And, um, and I've been making that run ever since January, uh, December of 2019. I haven't done anything but Colorado Springs. And, um, and I mean, the best year that I've ever had in trucking was from June of 2020, right in the middle of COVID all the way till about February of the following year. I mean, we moved over a thousand units on three trucks to Colorado Springs out of Dallas. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. And, um, and I still make that run. I've, I've been there four five times already in June. So, um, just steadily making that run back and forth, back and forth. So, um, I love the car hauling business. It's, um, um, <laughs> I always say it like this, that when people say, are you a truck driver? And I go, no, I'm a car hauler. You know, it's, it's kind of this mind, mind thing, I guess. Uh, I mean, and the, the reality of it is I do drive a truck, so I am a truck driver, but, uh, it's, it's very specialized. And, you know, I had a, people are always asking other drivers at truck stops or wherever they'll say, Hey, is there, can you make, I hear this is good money. I want to get, I want to start driving or hauling cars. And, you know, and my response to them is there's good money here, but unfortunately right now in this market, <laughs> there's no good money unless you have a dedicated deal, um, or you're hauling new vehicles. It's, it's very difficult. And I gave up the new vehicle business a long time ago because it's just too much risk. I mean, any little scratch could ruin the entire load. So it's just, you know, it becomes not worth it at some point. And so I let other people who want to deal with it, deal with it. And I'll take what I take. And I'm, in, I'm happy as a, happy as a pig and slop with it. So, uh, um, my story is a little different than a lot of guys. I know, uh, what was it? Uh, Mac. He, um, he was on what's your last show, right? I think. Yep. And, yeah. Two episodes uh, ago. Up, up from Aberdeen. And, um, you know, he's, he was in, he's been in trucks all of his life virtually. And, uh, uh, and it's really, it's really interesting to, to hear these guys talk about the business way back when I've got a good buddy that's, that hauls cars well, and he's been doing it for over 30 years. And I mean, they've got stories that I couldn't even begin to touch and which is fine. I don't necessarily wish I could touch them, but, uh, um, I love calling cars. I mean, it's just, it's a very unique deal. I don't have to wait on shippers and receivers. Uh, I go and I pick up the load and I go and I drop it off and it doesn't matter whether it's 10 o'clock at night or three o'clock in the morning, I can drop it and move on. And, uh, so that's real nice. I was actually going to ask the, the loading process for, for hauling cars. So you, you, you have cars on a top and a bottom part, right? That's right. So like, uh, the, how do they, um, how do they get loaded and what's the securement look like? Because unlike regular, you know, a conventional flatbed or an RGN, you're not using chains and binders on these cars, right? Some, some, um, some of the older, older trailers do have chain down. Um, and, and the manufacturer, at least in probably not the, the newest of cars. Um, but um, my battery's trying to act stupid here. Hold on a second. I can't tell if it's on or not. No, you're still good. Um, 
some of the old, the older cars, I, and I say older, you know, five years ago and beyond, um, they had they had securement locations for chain for chain downs. Um, the problem you see a lot today is that these guys are still using them. I mean, they'll take a chain and just throw them over the axle, not caring one iota that there's a brake line running across there or anything like that. And so they'll try and secure it that way. Um, but, um, but as far as the loading of a nine car, I mean, mine's a strap trailer. Uh, so we just use over the wheel straps and, um, you know, new cars, you, they're going to force you to, to, to secure all four wheels. I mean, I honestly, I think the DOT regulations say that opposite wheels must be strapped. So in other words, front, right, left, rear kind of thing as a minimum. And, um, but I mean, I, I usually at least go with three, sometimes four, depending on the size of the vehicle. I mean, big trucks, I usually strap them four times. So, um, but yeah, you know, you, you, you got five across the top and one behind the sleeper and then three in the bottom of the trailer for a full nine car. Yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. So when it came to first starting, you, you know, you said you kind of started like somebody would start off hot shopping. You got, you had a, you had a pickup truck and a three car exactly. trailer. Now I'm curious, and this was 2012 you're saying. So what did it look like to now I'm, I'm assuming off the jump, you've always had your own DOT number. You've had your own authority. Actually, no. Um, at that time, I ran. I was leased on to the, to to his company. Oh, you were and, leased on to the to another gentleman. Yeah, to the to the buddy that was already hauling cars. They tried to get me into it, so they had their authority, and they I leased on to them. And um, uh, their deal was, you know, you had to pay for your insurance and your registration, and then and then she did all your dispatching. She found your loads for you, and then it was like twelve and a half percent. She did all your uh, uh, invoicing and things like that. But it got to the point where, um, I was doing most everything. My, I was booking my own loads, doing, you know, doing my own invoicing or everything else. And so I ended up getting my authority in, um, Oct September, I believe it was September, October of 2014, which is when I, I left them. And, and just started driving for myself. I've been driving for myself since then and, under my own authority. Oh, awesome. And since then, and you, and you've had, and you had the W9 at that point. That's right. Yep. Sure and, did. and now, so what I'm curious about is, uh, is like finding those loads because like, you know, like shippers and receivers and running off the spot market, there's load boards and, you know, broker, is there a specific, but you know, is there a specific load board you were using for, to be a car yeah. hauler? So, Central Dispatch is the probably the premier and probably the biggest load board for car haulers. Um, there are some smaller ones out there that are trying, you know, they all try and get some foot into the door, but it's so it's so difficult when you get the the dealers, the buyers, the shippers, um, when they're so accustomed to using the same system over and over and over it's very difficult to get them to try something new and so they end up just going right back to, to central and and that's where probably 90 percent of our freight as in the used pre-owned market is is posted and um you know basically you go in and you you know i want something and that i i put in example Euless, texas which is kind of central located here in dallas fort worth right um 25 mile radius and I want to go to 
Arizona, let's say. And, and it'll show me everything on the board within a 25-mile radius going to Arizona. And, and it might be a full loader. It might be seven or eight individual units, and they're all going to seven or eight different locations. Um, there's also the, the, uh, what are, uh, the salvage market. You see a lot of these trucks, you know, they're hauling salvage cars from IAA and Copart. Uh, and that's a whole different animal in and of itself. I used to haul a lot of that stuff. I don't do it anymore because everything has to be forked on. Some of them have tires and wheels. Some of them don't. And, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, they all end up tearing up your equipment or they're covered in oil everywhere. And, and so I just got to the point I, I have no interest in it because... Um, you know, this equipment is expensive enough as it is. And then you have to start taking, maintaining things that you shouldn't even have to deal with. Uh, so I just don't even mess with that anymore. But so central dispatch is, is the, is kind of the board to go to for car haulers, unless you're hauling freight, uh, that's, that's new cars. Uh, I've got a bunch of guys that, that haul. Um, I think they, you know, that one guy that's on Kevin's show, um, Paul, I think. He's on there quite a bit. And Kevin, I Kevin think, Rutherford, right? Yeah, Kevin Show, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, I think he's mostly hauling new freight and uh, probably pretty exclusively. Uh, I've got a bunch of buddies here. They haul out of Midlothian, which is a railhead, out of Mesquite, another railhead, and, and they're all hauling new stuff. So, uh, and those are not load board loads. I mean, those are phone calls. So, um, and I've got those available to me, but I've just never had the need for extra work. I mean, these guys keep me so busy most of the time. I don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. So basically through central dispatching is how you've got your current customer. You built a relationship off of somebody from yeah. there and, and that's why you have this current run. Exactly. I mean, what had happened there, they, they were using a company out of Parker, Colorado, um, accelerated services, which is another car hauling company, but a very large company. And of course, dealing with them, I mean, you're kind of on their time frame. You know, they've got, he's, he bought eight cars here. Well, they might get to it in three days or it might be a week and a half. It just depends on when they have a truck here and they'll get to it. And so apparently they had a load one day, how that relationship started. They had a load one day they couldn't get to. So they put it on central. I took it and the rest was history. So um, it took me two years. Now that was, that was uh, way back in 2018 when I first took my first load for these guys up there. Uh, and then we kind of, you know, one here, one there. I mean, it wasn't, but it wasn't until December of 2019 that it became pretty much a full-time gig. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's good to hear. And I think it's good for listeners out there who are always thinking about getting in the business or what it takes. And I think that that's, you know, and we've discussed this a lot in the show, how a lot of people have struggled the past few years because they got into this business, assuming that, you know, you, they were going to sustain simply off of the spot market. And that's how it was. And it wasn't about building relationships uh, and getting the job done for customers and, going back and doing that over the course of years. So it's, it's good to hear though, hear those success stories firsthand of, yep, I hauled a load for a guy. I did the job well and we kept in touch and now yes. that's what you do. So your schedule. So what's your schedule like right now? Like what's a typical month look like for you? How, how many? Like, well, so they're, they, they fly in on Monday from Colorado and from Orlando. One of their partners lives in Orlando and, and then the main partner is up there. 
They both fly in on Monday. We have auctions Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday if they need to. And in Dallas-Fort Worth, the reason this market here is so plentiful is the number of auctions we have here. It's probably one of the, if not the number one, car auction market in the country. Simply, we just have so many. And uh, I think every week there's a total of about seven or eight auctions in the Dallas metro area. And, um, and so they come in on Monday. They start buying. They may have it. They, they may be buying for a customer in League City down south of Houston, a uh, Toyota dealer there, or they may just be buying for their own, or they may be buying for another store in Colorado Springs because they broker things as well. So uh, a lot of things they'll buy for their own, their own inventory and then sell them locally uh, in Colorado. Uh, but um, uh, once they get a load bought, Basically, what happens is I have access to all their all their uh, accounts with the auctions. So as they're buying, I can go in, I can see exactly what they bought, where it is, et cetera, et cetera, and then I build my my load my log sheet from there, and and then figure out the you know the 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 proper load that I'm going to carry because it might be two loads or it might you know it might be 15 vehicles or it might be eight vehicles or whatever it is, but then I'll have to go in and, and massage that list to see, okay, I'm going to put these seven or these eight on the truck for this load. And I'll put these other seven over here on the second truck for later in the week. And, um, and so as soon as I can start loading, like today, they've already got five. We need two more because he bought a big truck. So I'm going to end up with seven on the load next load going up there. Um, and uh, he may finish it out today. If he finishes it today, then I can start loading as early as tomorrow. I'll probably leave Thursday morning and turn it and be back here Saturday morning kind of thing. Oh, wow. That's, that's kind of how it works. If there was a second load, then I would come back in and load it and turn it. Because I, I can basically do two trips uh, before I need to do a 34. Oh, so uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard you say, so you have more than one truck. No, I just have my truck. But oh, I have okay. a couple of guys that will that will haul for me if I need if I've got some overflow work and I need to get it up there. Oh, you got some drivers who will hop in that seat for you and drive and drive your truck. No, not drive. They have their own truck. Oh, so you've got a couple guys leased on with you, or you or you sell them. Well, they have, they'll have the, they have their own authority. So mm-hmm. if it, I'll, they'll just kind of act as a subcontractor, basically. Oh, no, no, this, I I had no idea about this. This is actually pretty cool. So just in case you have some extra, you'll subcontract it out to other carriers, other car haulers. Exactly. Yep. No. Yeah. This is, this is a whole different beast compared to just like hauling regular drive van and freight. And I always, and I always figured it was because now when you're taking those cars, are all those cars going to the same destination? Are you dropping them off? No. Different dealers? One, one stop drop. I mean, yeah, it's. I would say ninety percent of the time it's the ones. I mean, uh, I also haul up there for for the BMW store. So if they buy one or two here, then I'll, obviously I'll take it to, directly to them. But most of the time it's one, um, and many times it's one one stop here and one stop there. Which, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And where's and now when you're bringing these trucks or when you're bringing the automobiles, the units to. Uh, Colorado. What what is the destination? Is it another like auction yard or is no? It's it- a it's a it's a it's a make ready um, location. So 
so basically it, they have a garage there and everything so if 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 the car they bought you know maybe it maybe it needs a new wheel bearing or this or something whatever it might if it has a problem then what they'll do they'll they'll take it into the shop right there they'll fix everything that needs to be fixed uh get it cleaned up basically make it ready for for and it may already be sold um colorado springs the number one subaru market in the country oh yeah and, uh, and so i mean most everything that they buy if they buy it for themselves here they probably already have it sold already up there so um and they've got several different dealers that will that buy their buy their uh inventory so and i'm surprised i mean the car the car market has been so you know after covid and then with the whole uh chip crisis i'm sure you heard about that right yeah, um, the, the chips were were sitting off the coast of California and all the ports. Yeah, so the used car market was going went through, was through the, the roof. roof. I mean, it just went through the roof. And and now the reality has turned that, you know, used to you could go to a car dealership, you know, whether it was Chevy or Ford or whomever, and you know there was a plethora of you could just, you know, if you wanted a a, a Silverado fifteen hundred High Country, well, there might be five or six to choose from at that time today. That's no longer the case. They, 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 they have some on the lot, but there may not be exactly what you want. And they, and they're counting on it because they really want you to just order a vehicle now. And, uh, and so that, that new car market and the lack the chip problem that we had back during the COVID issue, uh, just it, the pre-owned became the market. And, and it still is. I mean, prices, auction prices for pre-owned vehicles are still astronomical. It's amazing. I can't believe how expensive it is still today to buy um, some of these pre-owned vehicles. But um, <laughs> they're selling them, I, you know, and they're making they're doing crazy deals to do it. I know one of the dealers that we that we carry for uh, down in Houston, a Toyota dealer. They're making, they'll buy, they, they'll buy a car at the auction here knowing full well they've already lost money on the sell because it's, they're buying it for more than wholesale price or they're buying it for more than retail price. And, and so what they're do, having to do, they're doing, they'll force you, you have to do your financing here or you have to do your service work here or something like that, or you have to have a trade, something that will generate the profit on the other side because they're not making anything on the car, but they have to have it. You cannot have a car dealership without a pre-owned department. It just oh, doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, a, it would be impossible to, for these guys to stay in business. I, I'm curious all the time how some of these dealerships and the people, you know, these places selling cars. I mean, I'm curious what their margins look like too, especially the past few years, given what has happened with, because it's, given what's happened just with inventory in general, uh, yeah. with the with the used car markets. Now, you you mentioned something that uh, earlier. You talked about salvage cars, and you stayed away from that. And I'm and I and I just it reminds me. I used to work at Enterprise Rent a Car. We were attached to a body shop, and this body shop owned a car hauling truck, mm-hmm. and they and that car, and this guy would go out for. They would, they, but like, I don't know how it worked eventually because this body shop would get cars that were totaled. And then eventually, once they had enough to fill the entire trailer, that guy would take that truck and then he'd, he'd be gone for a few days. And sure. I'm wondering, and is he going to, 
auction is that where he's going is to auctions and well, scrap yards i mean i'm not sure i mean enterprise you know i would suspect that he's probably picking up enterprise only in that scenario i mean i could be wrong oh no this but... was a separate body shop like we were just attached oh, to one. Oh, 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 yeah it was called andre it was called andre motor car and they their body shop they were separate from enterprise oh, but they so, so they would just they had total cars and then they'd collect them and then he'd drive them and that the, the body shop owned the you know, they owned the, the, the car hall. There's a, there's actually a company in Houston uh, that basically does the same thing. And, and they pretty much exclusively pick up from these salvage auctions, you know, and it, and, and it may be a car that, uh, you know, it was in an accident. Maybe, maybe it wasn't, it may be the, it was, it was bad enough that the insurance just company totaled it out, but it still may be running and driving. You don't know. I mean, um, I mean, there's all, I mean, everything under the sun as far as salvage would be found in those, in those types of auctions. They're all online. Uh, I have a good buddy in Irving that that's, he, 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 what he does, he buys the, the Jaguars and Lincolns in certain year segments. And, and then he basically just strips them down and then he parts them out on eBay. I mean, he's got a huge business, huge business. Um, but, uh, and a lot of them do that. Um, a lot of the times, you know, they'll, uh, like a body shop, maybe like that scenario you're talking about, they may have a car that, that needs a right for fender, you know, and, uh, but they can't get it obviously from the manufacturer anymore. So they may go and buy it, buy the whole damn car, uh, at a, at a, um, at an auction, and then uh, take off of it what they need and then, you know, junk the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, it, interesting. I always wondered how they were like making money on that end with it. And then uh, another thing you mentioned, you said that when you when you first started hauling cars, you were uh, pulling out a cap. Oh, I lost you for a moment there. I had a phone call. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no worries. Yeah. Your screen went black for a moment. No worries. I can I can cut that or maybe I, it doesn't matter. Uh, um, you had mentioned that when you were, you early on, you were hauling the Teslas out of California. And I'm curious on that because Texas and Connecticut actually, respectively, there's a certain law that has to do with how Teslas are sold, um, in certain States. Like, you know, like there's this, it's this dealership law that gatekeeps, um, Tesla from selling their cars. Am, am I am I saying this right? Where essentially you can't go to a Tesla dealership because you you're not allowed to buy from manufacturers of automobiles in Texas, right? Well, I'm not so sure because I know when I was delivering the Teslas here, um, they were going to Tesla stores, uh, and where. But, but you have to remember, I think, what, what was going on, because at that time, and, I, and it may still be that way, most of the Tesla buying is done online. Um, you know, you go online, you pick, you know, I think, if I remember right, I think it's either black, it's either black or white is their base color. I don't remember which one. And if you want something different uh, than that color, you're going to pay extra for it and you and you pay extra for this it's almost kind of like it's just a menu and you go online and you 
you pick and choose what options you want, how you want the car, which car do you want? Do you want a Y? Do you want an X? Do you want an S? I mean, whatever it is. And, uh, and then once it's manufactured, then let's say um, in Houston, the Tesla, main Tesla store in Houston is over on the North Freeway uh, around AirTech. And, and, and so they all get dropped off there they get them ready, you know, they, they dealer prep a dealer, they prep them. And then, um, you know, they call you up, Hey Mike, your, your car's here, come down and pick it up. And, uh, so I think that's what's going on. I don't think they, I think you are right. I don't know about the law, but I think you are right that there's not quote unquote Tesla dealers because, um, I think they just, they're just kind of make ready. I mean, there's a, you know, now, Elon, he's building he's building those crazy things right up north of you right now and, and off mm-hmm. of uh, off of one thirty now. And um, I haven't been there and I have no intentions of going there, but I know that uh, they ship them out all over the country from there now. Yeah, I'm, I, I have the law pulled up here. Yeah, Tesla's buying process happens entirely online, which goes against Texas's law that prohibits car companies from selling directly to consumers. So Texas does have a law. Connecticut has a similar law where a, a car manufacturer can't sell directly to a consumer. It needs to go through a dealership. And the reason why they have these laws, um, especially in places like Connecticut, um, is because dealerships are large in part family owned. Like for they, they are in theory, like family businesses, not in theory. Sure. They are, you know, all the deal, like dealerships in Connecticut. A lot of people go to Blasius Chevrolet. Uh, even one of the relatives of my grandfather owns Lombard Ford uh, up in the Northwest corner of Connecticut. You know, they always have a family, you know, there's Gangrist Motors is another one in Connecticut. Texas is the same, same way. Austin has like all the dealerships are, are like a family family owned. So that's the law. So yeah, it's all entirely done online. So I was, so that's the thing you were picking up cars made to ready ordered online and we're bringing them back to bringing them out to where they were going to be delivered. I was, I was curious how that, how that worked. Cause I know that that's what people in Connecticut had to do. They would buy the Tesla and they either, it was either they had to pay something to get it delivered or they had to go get it in New York, something, something weird like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just find it curious. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was going to ask you if you had any insight on what was going on with the cyber truck down in, in Austin off of the toll road. And, uh, but yeah, so you're not going to be hauling any cyber trucks. No, not me, not me. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think, um, I don't, I don't know what to think. I mean, I think those trucks, I think they're, they would probably be great for a Metro market. You know, if you're going to use them to make local deliveries and things like that. But I mean, out on the open road, I mean, you can't even charge them. I don't understand the whole big push. There's not even an infrastructure for these trucks. Oh, the semis. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Is that was that what you were talking about? I I was talking about the 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 cyber truck. I know that the semi, yeah, the the semis are what they're really trying to roll out. But the cyber truck is like an actual pickup truck that Elon announced, you know, years ago. Uh, oh, and it's yeah, oh, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. and it looks like it looks like shit. Like a, honestly, yeah. it looks like so. It looks like something real stupid out of like the Jetsons, and it's like yeah. real squarey. But like it, it doesn't seem practical. But the semi truck itself, yeah, there's just no infrastructure for it. Yeah, local deliveries. I think Pepsi using it makes sense because th- those trucks go back. To, but still, even then, every single LTL or beverage carrier switched to electric tomorrow. You know, cities you know, don't have the grid capabilities. You'd have to, 
you like you'd have to flood the you know the midwest uh, you know you'd have to flood so much farmland just to generate that type of power yeah of i don't course. like i said i don't see the like the electric vehicle stuff is a virtue signal that's never going to catch on uh we have the right answers the issue is we have a government that cho- picks and chooses the winners and losers and they want and they're they're picking their green energy winners um because you know this green energy stuff is still built off the backs of child slavery and you know you know and keeps us linked to china so yeah i don't i don't see it streaming but no that that's cool man so well the cyber truck i i now that i understand what you're saying yeah i mean i've seen you know the problem we have and there's a big push right now because of all the and and people say oh it's so much electric cars electric this electric but the reality is it's it's a lot fewer than you think it is and um um the problem they're trying to up the weight limits on these on the car hauler capacities they're trying to get them up to 85 or 90,000 as a minimum or a maximum i mean to help with the weight increases of the electric vehicles but i don't one i don't think it's necessary because quite honestly they, they what they do they just they drop the number of vehicles on a trailer to to accommodate for it i mean they you know, it's, I hauled a, you know, this one uh, Rivian R1T. Have you seen those mm-hmm. pickup trucks? Yep. I made and a delivery to Rivian in Normal, Illinois once. Oh my God. I mean, what a train wreck. And, and um, I mean, aside from being just completely ugly, um, <laughs> it's, um, uh, they start at $73,000, number one. Jesus. I mean, 73 grand. And, um, they weigh, I think the one I carried was like 6,200 pounds. I mean, it's, it's as much as a three quarter ton diesel. And, and I mean, it's, and just, they're not big. They're not big, but these batteries, I mean, the, the, uh, I think it's the Tesla X, which is the one that has the, the doors that open, you know, kind of like a Ferrari or Lamborghini or something. And, I mean, it's 5,300 pounds and it's a four seater or five people. I mean, it's stupid weights. And, um, um, and of course it's just all in the batteries and, uh, and that particular pickup truck, I read an article yesterday or day before that, uh, they, they, they sold their revenue was 600 million and they lost 1.3 billion. So that so they, they took, so yeah, they're at a net loss. Well, it's so bad right now. Apparently, in front of their factory up in Normal, they've mm-hmm. set up a lot to sell those vehicles straight off their lot right now, because it, it's not cost effective to ship them anywhere because nobody's buying them. And uh, and I think Elon's going to have the same problem with his Space Age Odyssey truck. I mean, I just don't see them. I don't know what that market would be. I think yeah, you're going to probably get one or two people that you know they're they're just all into it and they want it. And maybe more than one or two, but still, there's not a, the truck market in the United States is very, is very, very dominated. I mean, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, I mean, that's it. I mean, really. And, um, and, and I don't, I don't see farmers and ranchers ever having a use for a cyber truck like that. I just don't see that. So. Yeah. How how are you going to bring that to market for the, for the common man? And, and yeah, and that's and that's where a lot of these electric these electric car companies they they seem they stand on this virtue 
of trying to sell it to the normal consumer. However, the price point isn't for the, the normal consumer. Like we, we still have, you know, if you go back up to where I'm from, you go back up to Waterbury, the, the common, the, the, the probably the most regularly driven car there is like a 2002 Honda Civic. And all the, mm-hmm. and you really think you're going to, you know, th- these are people who live in a, you know, these are people who are living in a city like Waterbury. What are they going to use this Tesla Cybertruck for? Where is it going to fit? Yeah. And then even down to the people, to those people in the Midwest, like, what are they going to use Rivi, a Rivian pickup truck for? What are they going to use that side? What are they going to use? Like it, these things seem to only be for aesthetics. The idea behind selling an electric vehicle is to cut your, your main expense towards operating that vehicle, which is your fuel cost or, or your mm-hmm. gasoline. So that's the point of the electric. But at what point, I mean, we're already seeing there's articles coming out, you know, out of California of electric car owners whose utility bills have over have over, you know, tipped the scales of what they were spending in gas. So and it's just and, and, you know, the market is and this is the true market, you know, not the market where billionaires just inject money into a product and force it on people. The true market is it's not sustainable. For, for people to actually do if the if the cost is going to tip the scale then nobody's going to buy it yeah I, I don't I don't really see a plausible future with this stuff or how it's going to sustain but it's a it's a it's a real wait and see that's that's cool you've kind of gotten to see see the inside of all that stuff uh, yeah I'm not sure like I said that Rivian facility apparently Rivian's one of the top worst places to go deliver freight too they they're uh, I think uh, my my friends over at freight caviar were talking about how it's like in the top 10 worst places to go make a delivery Rivian. So, <laughs> you know, they're already, they're already disliked in the transportation industry, but like kind of, kind of moving on from that, you hit, you, you have your dedicated lane. Things are going, things are going pretty well for you. You got to ride a good wave off of COVID. What's, what's the future looking like? Are you thinking about adding trucks? You got growth on your mind? Um, no, I, I decided, you know, the car hauling industry, it's just, it is not the same as it used to be. I, I mean, even 10 years ago, 11 years ago when I got in and uh, it's changed so much. I mean, right now, my biggest pet peeve and the reason I I just simply won't do it, but my biggest pet peeve, I mean, you go to the auctions, you see these guys pull up in their one ton uh, pickup trucks and their three car, four car, five car trailers. They get out wearing flip flops. They don't know what they're doing, how they're doing it. I mean, it's just it's a crapshoot every minute. And, um, I mean, I saw a guy the other day, kid you not, um, you remember, of course, now all the, most of the Amazons are all those electric, uh, delivery van type deals now. But if you remember, you remember those are Rivian. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. (laughs) So, uh, but do you remember the really big vans that they used to drive around all in, you know, making the deliveries? I mean, they were probably what, 10 feet tall and probably 25 to 30 feet long. And, and the full width, I mean, a full eight foot wide type van. And uh, I don't know what those things weigh. I'm guessing, I don't know, excess of 10,000. Let's put it that way. Um, and I saw a guy the other day at the auction, pulled one onto a three car wedge trailer. And hell, he had to be, and he, he couldn't keep it back to where the height didn't become a problem because, I mean, he was almost past the tandems in order to keep the height down because you know they're at a they're on an angle a wedge and so he pulls it up and i i guarantee he had to be pushing 15 feet and then then you have to deal with you know the top heaviness of that 
He's on a ball hitch, on a gooseneck ball hitch, which is dangerous as hell as it is. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, how many times have I seen the trailer and truck flipped over around here? I couldn't even begin to tell you. And I mean, those ball hitches are just dangerous. And, um, and, but it's that kind of crap. And he's out there loading this thing with a pair of flip flops. And I mean, it's, it's like, come on guy. I, you know, I watch, um, what's that stupid YouTube, uh, bonehead truckers. Yeah. And, uh, love, love, I, mean, those, love just, that. I mean, I love that show and they're always talking about the flip flop guys. And, and I mean, it's, it's it happens here now too. I mean, these guys, they don't know, they just heard that they can make some money and I don't have a problem with somebody wanting to make money, but when you get into this business and you don't even know what in the hell you're doing, you're just kind of on the fly learning as you go. They don't have anybody to teach them or train them or do anything. The damages are going through the roof. That's one of the reasons I got this dedicated lane because literally almost every load that was getting carried up there, he was telling me they had some sort of damage on them. It, it one car or another. And, uh, uh, and I think in the last three and a half years, we've had two cars that had damage and both of them, uh, one of them was a, a bird through, flew through a windshield and our back windshield and, um, and a chain dropped off the top deck and was just bang. There you go. Um, and it was banging off the, on the roof of the vehicle and it scraped it up pretty good. Um, so I don't, I'm not saying that, you know, we're, we're God's gift or anything like that, but we take care of what we do and we get it picked up on time. We deliver it on time and hopefully damage free. So. Well, it's, it, I mean, it stinks that it's gotten, so yeah, it, the market seems to be still like cutthroat enough. I mean, that's, that's what I've like, cause people have asked me all the time and I said it on my previous episode, I've recorded, uh, which drops, uh, you know, on Tuesday, we're recording on Tuesday. I released it today, but I was saying about like how I can add a truck right now. I, there's a, there's a guy down the road. He's selling a truck for $30,000 ready to work. It's, it's a million mile DD 15. And it's like, but with just how the market is, I mean, this guy was telling me, and this was a Mexican guy telling me, and I'm saying this because the Mexicans down here, they know a lot of people and they have a lot of fucking cousins and they have a lot of connections they can always find a driver. He told me he couldn't find a driver because any driver he did find that was qualified, as in had two years experience because of his insurance, couldn't drive a 10-speed manual. So he's like, I couldn't find a driver. So me, I've only lived down here for three years. I mean, sure, I could try to find a driver, but odds, like, and I, I, I'm, it's not that I couldn't find one, but if I did find one, they'd be in another state. So I'd have to be managing an employee that lives nowhere near me. And then if that truck breaks down, what stops them from walking? Because it's going to have need repairs. It's a million mile DD15. It's probably, you could probably get another 500 to 750,000 out of it. He showed me the paperwork. But if it has one breakdown and the DPS deleted, so I mean, it, it will be good. But say he goes 50,000 miles and then it needs something. You know, what's stopping the guy from walking? And I guess that, and on the same end, same thing with you, unless it's another exact clone of you, that guy's going to have to, you know, you're going to have to have him compete. With all these people out there, there's so much undercutting. I, I I can tell you, I've been to the port of Baltimore, and that's what I saw on my end because I was telling I couldn't believe how many car haulers are in and out. And yeah, and it's all these people with like really beat up dualies. Um, yeah, just their equipment is just subpar, lackluster, and they're yep. under and they're undercutting. 
the the problem. And you know, it's funny. That's why I want to. I'm trying to get Kevin Rutherford on the show. He said he'd come on. He's he's very much into free markets. He he's very libertarian mindseted, and I can understand that. But because on paper it sounds great to not have a, a you know X number of regulations or to lower the barrier of entry. Like we want more competition. People say competition's good. Well, competition's not always is good to some respect, but competition also isn't good for the consumer all the time because now consumers have to pay with this rollover cost of damaged equipment, bad, you know, bad transportation, you know, people operate unsafe conditions. Like that's the thing. You and people will say, well, that's the thing with liberty. Liberty's not all like liberty's supposed to be dangerous. And it's like, is you know, do you really believe that though? Do you think that, you know, are you really because what it's not that there's less liberty by making a little bit higher superior to entry. It's not like nobody's taking your freedom away. Actually, all they're trying to do is make sure that who's on the highway is somebody who's qualified and is a legitimate enough business and isn't some Eastern European crime syndicate or some sandal wearing guy from who, who just arrived from the Middle East, you know, three months ago. And now all of a sudden he's hauling cars right next to your wife and kids. You know what I mean? Yep. Some, you know, because every other country, you can't do that. And they're like, well, that's why we're America. Well, it's like, well, hey, listen, you know, but the problems are here. What it's doing is it's not sustainable. We're at a point like we're not like you are running a very legitimate business. And this is this is what kind of gets me upset. You're running a great business with a customer who loves who, who loves what you do and the service you provide. And you're in a position, you just came on a show and said, you know, I'm not really looking to grow because of because my competition out there is, you know, operates outside of the, uh, the, the rule of law. They, you know, they're running shoddy equipment. So it's just like so the good businesses are in a position to where the risk isn't worth the reward. And it's like I would rather the economy or the business or, you know, the this tile business in this country where you know, where you do, where you want to compete a little bit more because your competition is between respectable businesses, not these, um, you know, degenerate syndicates that come in off a whim, the fly by nights, you know, the guys who come in because any of those guys who have damage, like the guys who your competition, who are hauling cars and they have damages and claims against them. Those guys, they eventually, all they do is go bankrupt, take the assets and go right under another LLC. And they just keep doing the same thing over and over. And it's just like, in what in what in, in what other you know world you know is is where you know is that a, a realistic future where these people could just keep you know do, doing the doing the wrong thing and keep getting away with it and at the sacrifice it's a cost rolled on a consumer puts lives at risk and doesn't allow respectable businesses like you to own that's just me going off on a diatribe there no it's fine and i agree with everything you said and that and, and it's a very simple uh reason that i'm i just you know, I've got I've got my thing. Um, I my equipment's paid for. Um, I don't have a, a ton of debt. I have a little bit of debt, but not much. And 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 I they don't they don't you know they're not one of these type of guys. Hey, we've got we've got cars on the ground. We need you to get them picked up now. And need them get up here. You know, ASAP. As soon as you can get them here, please do. And that's that's the attitude. If it's in the winter time and it's snowing up there or whatever, when the storm passes, come on in, you know, kind of thing. So I mean, it's a great situation for me. And I would, it would be. <clears throat> there's a couple of guys, as I said before, that I will use to haul their 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 vehicles because I trust them. I know their work. I know who they are. I know how they think and operate. And uh, and I can use them, but anybody else, I mean, it's boy, it's 
it's pretty rough. And, and finding that person, I mean, I'd never get a moment's peace if I had somebody out there running, you know, nine cars all the time. I'd, I'd never sleep because I'd be worried about, you know, what the hell's going to happen, you know? And, and I don't need that. I don't need that added headache in life. I'm, I'm 60 years old. I, I, I'm active. I do what I do. I enjoy climbing around those trailers like a monkey and, and, um, and it fits my life real, very well. And I, I, I just enjoy it and I get to pay my bills and I, you know, some weeks I may only get one run up there, but other weeks I may have two or I may go to Houston. Last week it was one to Houston, one up there. And, uh, but I still end up three or four days at the house. Uh, maybe not four days, but three days, you know, scattered out. So, I mean, it's a pretty easy gig, honest, honestly speaking. No, that's good, man. This this is a great story. I'm I'm glad to hear that you, you set yourself up for that. And what what I love the most is, and this is what's great about trucking is you can, if you, if you care enough, come kind of come and go as you please. You know, you had a whole separate career, you know, as an architect working, you know, yeah, working in con- construction. Um, what was it? General contracting? You were in yeah, design build, like right. design, and so you had that whole thing, and then you got right into trucking. I mean, I could only imagine is say you, you know, you know, uh, not to, this isn't to be insulting or anything, but imagine if you did this, if you started at the same time you went to school for an architect, if you started the trucking thing, like who knows what you could have done. So it's yeah. just a good reminder to people that it's never too late to get into something, never too late to start something new, never too late to change your career. Uh, and, you, and you're a living proof of, of that, that as long as you have the right mindset, the right people around you, and you want to build the relationships and you want to actually start a business, it's all that possible. And it doesn't matter if you've been doing the same thing for 20 years. If you want to get out of it, get out of it. Don't torture yourself. And then leading it up to today at this point, hey, man, you're in your 60s and you're 60 now. And, you know, you don't want that added stress. I couldn't agree with you more because, hey, you're, you know, you want to get every single year you could on this planet. Right. And that stress, stress can reel back some of those some of those years and this is an industry that will will remove some of those years just from adding stress and managing employees because unlike being a manager for any other sort of business these employees you're managing could be 1500 miles away you know in a snowstorm or what have you so it's dangerous but man it, it's an awesome story I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you came on uh, before we sign off though you're on Twitter where can the people find you and if they have any you know questions about car hauling you know if you have any contact info whether it be Twitter, yeah, uh, my Twitter is Ryden, R-I-D-I-N, Road, T-X, Ryden Road, Texas. All one word? All one word, yeah. Perfect. So, guys, you know where, you know where to find him, Mr. Jeff Wynn, Jeff Wynn Ryden Road, Texas. Um, but other than that, unless you got anything else you want to you wanna st- yeah. say out in the interwaves. No, I just... You know, thanks for having me on. I it was I was taken by surprise when you asked me. I was honored to honored to be here. Thank you. I'm glad I had the time to do it. Yeah, man. I'm I'm glad too. Like I said, I'm trying to get as many real conversations with real people. Uh, the internet is full of you know uh, frauds. The internet's full of people, frauds and phonies and influencer culture. That's getting the the, the sandal wearers. You know yeah. the uh, the type of people we're talking about. They're getting them into the industry, thinking this is a get-rich-quick scheme. And what we need to do is flood the internet with actual, real stories from awesome people like you, uh, who've lived incredible lives and built respectable, honest, honest businesses, man. So yeah, absolutely would love it. 
love to have you on. And hey, we'll do it again soon. We'll do an update. We'll talk about something. We'd love to hear more about you know what goes on at these ports and anything car hauling. I think it's an interesting niche of the industry. So yeah, man, we will be in touch. And uh, with that, guys, that that wraps it all up. Appreciate you all once again for listening. Uh, if you could share the show, drop a five star review. Uh, tell a friend, tell a trucker, have them reach out. I would love to talk with them too and have them on. But with that, guys, I'll see you on the next one. Take Thanks, care. Mark.